So, greetings wherever you are, wherever we are. We're aware of our thoughts, sense impressions, internal moods arising, external sense contacts occurring, and the relationship between all that, in between sight and impression, between sound and impression, between physical sensation and emotional mood, how these are interacting with each other. That's where we live. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So we're kind of open to that's 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 the scenario. That's the world, if you could say. And uh, you know, Buddha says you don't get to the end of that through moving across it. Yeah. Traveling in space or even traveling in time, mm. but you don't stop suffering until you get to the end of it. Can you get to the, where the chitta extends beyond that, beyond that domain of sense contact, impressions, moods, feelings, reactivity? And this is through finding a sta- stable place, a place of stability or a quality of stability. Yeah. And also open to the nature of the world, its changeable nature, its moving nature. And with that, when we're aware of it, also something in us is is beyond that. It's happening through our citta. It's moving through the citta rather than the citta being moving through the world. The sights and sounds, sights and sounds are moving through the citta, through awareness then in some ways, you know, we're not snagging on it, we're not uh, fighting it, we're not overwhelmed by it. So there's openness to all that, and there's stability. If one's not open to it, then uh, um, we don't really understand it. We're just trying to find a place to protect ourselves or pretend it's not there. But if we're not stable, we're open to it, we just get blown away by it all, overwhelmed. So this is a crucial um, fulcrum, you know, stable openness. And you first of all, you work on, you know, stability. You can mean shutting a few things down temporarily to just get that stable center going, call this meditation. But, um, you know, that's... (laughs) That's not all. That's not all there is. Yeah. Mm. And so we come to uh, this is a third day. I hope many of you have been able to maintain a good uh, attendance to this session. Uh, not because it, you know, it doesn't impact me particularly. But there's a feeling of you really get the best out of it if you can, you know, do the filtering in your life to enable you to turn up and just stay tuned into the same themes and the same energies and the same pace. Naturally, it builds up by itself. It builds up a certain focus and a certain um, steady, patient, re- reflective quality that we try to encourage. 
So that can become much more your mode of behavior. Yeah. I mean, intimate behavior. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's not whether you're, you know, cooking the dinner or whether you're walking the dog. That's external behavior. Intimate behavior is a quality of carefulness, steadiness, unflusteredness um, that you're you're carrying that out with and lack of reluctance. You know, it's not, oh, I've got to do this and get it over with. Now, if we're doing something, we try to do it with the same qualities. And these qualities are summarized in the Eightfold Path. Uh, but the Buddha says in, it, in a way the, the really crucial factors, kind of underlying factors, say everything turns around Three factors, right view, right effort, right mindfulness. Right view, right effort, right mindfulness. Three is three, you know, turning around, mingling and reflecting and co- co- cooperating. Generate, like you'd say, the, the dynamo or the pace setter or the theme setter or the guiding light, however you want to put it, of the Eightfold Path, which itself should cover one's life, livelihood, action, speech, and so forth. So right view, recognizing every every um, thing we associate with, we, and it touches the heart, and sometimes <laughs> association with what's skillful, and association with not, what's not skillful, and as a result of that, Right view is the recognition of there is value in in bringing forth giving generosity relinquishment. There is a sense of uh, human relationship. There is this this level of experience. There are other there are other manifestations of experience, and there are guides through this journey. So you have a sense of both something you can trust and something you can do and something you kind of belong to, right, in loosely speaking. Something you're doing is basically trying to bring forth harmless, caring, steady uh, qualities that leave no regret in your mind. What you associate with, another powerful topic, you know, the human, human relational realm, fundamentally, and uh, you know, noticing in that, when does it become kind of sort of foolish, <laughs> put it bluntly, or just non-productive, or, uh, you know, and when does it become fruitful? And how do we cultivate that? So you associate with what's good in each other. It's not even saying some people are idiots and other people are wise. No, you know, bits of me are a bit derelict or not quite up to scratch but there's some good bits too <laughs> so we try to use each other to bring out the best and to help to understand why parts of me are not reawakened <laughs> and how to encourage that those aspects of me that haven't really woken up to you know look at that and let's listen to that and how is that you know and you know, you know so you're developing 
Oh, right. Oh, oh, yes. And a wise person, people who you can bring forth the good in, you get a sense of, well, fundamentally there's trust, you know, Um, and there's pieces that are not awakened in us. And how do we, how do we open to that and help each other with that? This means you've got to have a stable ground of, of common value, you know, common value. We feel harmony is important. We feel honesty is important. We both feel that non-violence is important. We both feel that, you know, commitment is important. Yeah. We both feel that we need to work on things. We're not free from all blemishes. We both understand we have blind spots. Then you step those down. Now, okay, now we can, now we can talk. Now we're not, you know, nobody's trying to be somebody. So, when you're in your home situations as you are, you naturally, it's a place where human relationships, society, family is definitely a factor of it, isn't it? As in my life too, my monastic family and what's left of my, you know, genetic family. (laughs) So, bearing them in mind. So it's right, right view, and then right effort. We say the effort to curtail um, damaging, curtail, cut off the damaging, curtail damaging, <laughs> and recognize the potential for damage oneself and others. Be alert for it, and. Look out for the nourishing, the, the, the calming, the gentling, the qualities that bring you into stability and openness. And treasure them and know how they're cultivated. The right effort and right mindfulness then knows its mission. Its mission is to be on topic with that as we're setting into our embodied domain, you know, into our speech, you know, into our behaviour. So you establish mindfulness as a supervisor with these are these are this is its instructions, if you like, to look out for these. And then keep going. Now in terms of real cultivation, as I'm saying, uh, this isn't just something you do meditating on your own. Naturally that's very important. But uh, you know, once you if you if you f- can frame it like that, it can be that the only thing you're interested in is in a meditation topping and in calming down and getting quiet. Um, and that, although it definitely has its values, part of it, is by no means the eightfold path, <laughs> which is what the Buddha recommended. And it means you can skip over things like speech and behaviour and relationship and they can remain completely unawakened. <laughs> and it's definitely been noticed that in spiritual masters who kind of seem to have profound insights can actually be found having disgraceful behaviour, you know, power, power issues, sexual abuse issues, 
um, they over pieces of behavior they never really woke up to. Yeah, bit of them's pretty, you know, very good at emptiness and so forth, but they're not much good at actually having a, a reasonable relationship with people because they feel they're beyond it all. <laughs> but, you know, you're never beyond the eightfold path. <laughs> so how to just keep going in that? And of course, once you've limited to meditation, sometimes meditation is just not working. You know, you don't quite know why, you just feel stuck. Uh, you feel you're alone, you've got to carry this weight on your own, you've got to work against your mind is struggling, your body feels painful, you know, and you're trying to, you're trying to get it together. And then you just think, oh God, I want to just go out have some fun instead, get off this thing, what am I doing? So, because you've got to kind of realise it's much broader than that. So as I'm saying, we don't have a bell here, because there's no bell in your reality, there's no, oh, you know, there's a kind of sense of acknowledging and deepening into it, and then hopefully gently moving out through the senses and then gently moving back in and gently moving out and crossing those territories where you begin to see, notice how sight of people affects you, how, you know, just your domestic situation, how it affects you. Things that other people, people you're living with, you feel annoyed with or (laughs) just because they're clunking around putting cups down on surfaces and making noise. Why can't they be more mindful? (laughs) Why can't they be more mindful? (laughs) Get this voice going off in your head. Uh, (laughs) Why can't everybody be more mindful? (laughs) Which is essentially, why can't they be the way I want them to be? Uh, and it's not really a question, it's, it's just a, a cry of indignation. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't understand that interface, this is where you get into damaging yourself and others. Because you allow your will to take over your heart. Yeah. Or you allow resentment to take over your heart. Or you allow self-pity to take over your heart. Mm. Or you allow judgment of others to take over your heart. Mm. Or you allow feeling you've got to put up with everything and soldier through to take over. You should never complain. You allow that to take over your heart. You should just be whatever anybody else wants you to do, you should go along with it to be harmonious, you let that idea take over your heart. And it's quite, <laughs> these are forms of sabotage. Um, so when you look at, you know, right mindfulness and right effort and right view, the program, if you like, is to stop the sabotage, yeah, whereby you, you plant grenades in your heart <laughs> and blow you up. <laughs> And also to make sure you're getting the supply lines of, of clarity and wisdom and, and uh, refreshing energy to happen so you're able to discharge the pressures, release the pressures, take a break, freshen up, 
yeah, properly servicing one's embodied system. So you both nourish and sustain the good, and you you take out the potentials to to sabotage yourself. And how do you know that? Well, you basically, we're very helpful. Focus is just on the beginnings on thought. Because thought stands at the interface, doesn't it? How is this? We have the five external senses, sight, sound, taste, smell, touch. We have what's called um, the mind, the manual, thinking mind, which scans those and focuses on particular objects and starts thinking about them. Right? And that that manual, that thinking mind then drops what it's brought up, what it's conceived of. You know, that's him, that's the garden, that's dinner, that's the dog. It touches the chitta, the heart with that, with feeling of, you know, whatever it brings up. Could be obligation, could be um, joy, could be happiness, could be, you know, a bit of irritation. When I see her again, who always does this and annoys me and never seems to get the message. <laughs> so it touches and you get these, what occurs is these meanings arise. That person is no longer, per- no longer just a, a neutral person. There's a whole emotional history that's there, that arises with that. The annoying person, the person who never listens, the person who's always, you know, never takes responsibility, expects me to tidy up for them, that kind of thing. And we have this inner person who we then argue with. And when that inner person arises, you know, that him or her or them, then what arises is an inner person called me, who's pretty fed up with all this, or feeling left out of all this, and not getting the right, you know, not getting the right kind of responses they should be getting. So this little me is a bit, you know, suffering, or not getting listened to, or not being communicated to, or whatever. This is a little me in there. So inside the chit is a little me, and there's other people, or another person. And these two are kind of wrangling with each other. <laughs> At times. At times they're crooning to each other, but they're kind of having a bit of a dialogue there. <laughs> and we feel this is actually the reality that these people exist. <laughs> because they're emotionally coloured and flavoured, and they've got a lot of energy in them. Right? Yes, it's, it's me, all right. Uh, and you, but it's how this me gets created. This me and them gets created. And as it gets created, action starts happening. As a kind of stirring, and a turning over, and a, and a moving on, and a regretting, and a feeling guilty about, and feeling inadequate, or feeling annoyed, or wanting more or wanting less, the stuff starts moving and the emotions start churning and then we go into some kind of flooded state, right? And then that flooded state, then that comes out of our mouths <laughs> towards 
other people, oh, you've made, just made it button up. Shut up. Okay, but then it bangs into your heart, like, God, I'm really angry. I feel like I'm going to stuff it down. I'm feeling like I'm going to, this isn't right, but I can't do anything about it. Just got to put it to get depressed, <laughs> feel frustrated, feel helpless, feel lost. So it, it, either you blow it out onto other people or you stuff it inside yourself. Yeah, and this generates the feeling of the oppressed person. That's pretty damaging. That's pretty damaging. Because you don't want to be with that oppressed person, that guilty person, that, you know, angry person. So let's get out and do something. I'll go off and have a, I don't know, maybe I'll go go to the movies or something. Basically, I'll distract myself, escape somehow from that scenario. And some escape is better than others. Okay, go and watch a movie, fine. But, you know, others are not so skillful, right? Have a few drinks and so on. Escapism. And by and large, that's what's offered in our society. Circuses. Football games, cups, tennis matches, go and escape. People are having simple success and we feel a surge of happiness or the surge of despair, but at least it's not, it kind of, not me. We lose ourselves in entertainments. And you think, what's the, what's the harm with that? That's, you know, want to have some fun. Why are you so miserable? Why can't you have any fun? What's wrong with entertainments? Well, it just avoids the issue of dealing with the disgruntled, bored, hopeless self that unconsciously, of course, unconsciously, reflexively, I created. I think, well, okay, it was created internally. My jitta formulated that. And isn't it funny? or not funny, but somewhat when you begin to contemplate these residues of the person that arises, particularly in relationship to other people, how familiar it is, how familiar it is. And that's what gives it its, its, its part of its strength. I've been doing this for 15 years, 20 years, and I'm doing it with her and him and them, and I was getting the same pattern with my job, with my employment, with my office, with my team. And I was getting a similar pattern with my partner, my da da da. And it always ended up as feeling, you know, suffering me. Frustrated, not getting what they need, getting what they don't need. Uh, and then so snarled up, I can't even talk about it. So it's good when you have this, you know, some space, some time. Uh, I'm not saying you should de- necessarily deliberately concoct scenarios, but at least to be open to it. And uh, listening to that, particularly the beginning of the thought process, because the thought process begins because the heart is being stirred, and it starts to, as it stirs, yeah, and we can't, we don't necessarily immediately feel it and hold it carefully and breathe through it, perhaps it goes into thought. Our thought starts muttering, mumbling, questioning, feeling perplexed, 
these are the emotions that are coming up and they're not being met and uh, and resolved so they're not being met and resolved therefore they start to go in build up thought okay certainly you know this is where again where you get the idea in meditation you just stop thinking but that isn't an instruction <laughs> there's no instruction to do that instruction could be to not keep giving your attention to topics that annoy and disturb or distract you don't give your attention to them but internally if they, these topics are rising yeah you want to allay them and resolve them but that process isn't simply through somehow suppressing it it's through reflecting on it observing it and even deeply understanding it because the problem is not exactly the thought the thought is the symptom of an emotional disturbance and whether we embarrassed by our emotional disturbance I'm, you know i'm still getting peeved at that that's a bit embarrassing isn't it how you know i'm 50 years old and i'm still getting annoyed about somebody doing the washing up or not <laughs> you know i still have these petty attitudes and well okay we'll get over it you know because this is this is reality time <laughs> and the reality is the chitter doesn't move in terms of time it doesn't move on in terms of time it moves in terms of karma so you can still be three years old in terms of chitta you can still be throwing tantrums your body's 55 years old or whatever but your chitta still hasn't got over the tantrum stage yet <laughs> because it hasn't understood the tantrum we shut it up we decided not to speak about it we turned the other way we said behave yourself so we stuffed it down but we didn't understand the tantrum what's the tantrum trying to do it's trying to establish stability i'm here you know i stand up for myself i'm not being pushed around i want you know it's a real statement of give me some ground right emotionally that's what it's trying to do yeah. And of course, it's chaotic and it's unskillful, but you can see what's happening, really. And so, so actually, problem is you're trying to find ground where there isn't any. Now, to find ground, absolutely necessary, absolutely necessary. But you're trying to find it where it isn't; otherwise, you'd have found it by now. You wouldn't be having tantrums at the age of fifty. <laughs> You have some some part of you hasn't found ground within the experience of fundamentally not getting what you want, people not behaving the way you'd like them to be, yeah, uh, and whatever details. But that's the fundamental bit. So therefore, I get this tantrum stage, and then if I don't care for it, it's going to start. I've got some more skillful thoughts going to occur because I'm no that stuff. I've learned a bit more since I was three. So I know all kinds of ways I can I can kind of angle it like, don't you think it would be nice sometime or another to just think more carefully about the fact of washing up needing to be done 
and after all, I'm not a paid servant. Do you ever, do you ever consider that possibility? This is a kind of educated tantrum. The other person says, oh, you know, uh, I mean, washing up, it's no big deal. I have to work all day, you know, I'm mean, tired out, and there's problems at work, my headaches. I mean, goodness sake, couldn't you give me a bit of support? <laughs> They're finding their ground. <laughs> but it's not common ground, is it? The common ground is we want some ground here where we feel, you know, <laughs> you know, properly heard, cared for, listened to, and it's not happening. Mm-hmm. But if we could find that common ground, they wouldn't have to throw tantrums. And the common ground is not little me. The inner me is not the place doesn't have any ground. That's why little me is never happy, never contented. Little me, that creation in the mind, in the heart, is a ghost a very potent ghost, but it doesn't actually have the ground where it just, you know, opens, quiets, opens, feels steady, feels contented, feels completed. It doesn't do that. Because it's a formation that occurs at the interface of experience, and the interface with experience here in this case is not carefully negotiated, carefully understood. Yeah. The process of my of my intentions are I'm not checking them. I'm not checking what's around. Yeah. My perceptions, my interpretations of other people, I'm not really checking that out. And I should check it out because I've been having this interpretation and the same kind, I get the same kind of characters of people who don't look after me. But there's 15 people in my life who that's happened with. Why is that? Because they're not out, it's not out there. It's not them, really. But it's something we haven't really established relatedness ability to find a stable place where you and say you know what's happening for me what's happening for me and how you need some help to get through this place of feeling neglected and I appreciate some help and what's happening for you and you're feeling overburdened and you could appreciate some help we're both suffering right that's a good place that's common ground and we want to stop suffering that's common ground and once you get to that point it's amazing how many details suddenly shift and uh, it doesn't really matter just the meeting of common ground is such a relief and such a a joy. We don't have to agree on the details anymore. We can, okay, that's the way you do it. Oh, well, that's, uh, you know. And then I could, we're more flexible. 
you don't make issues around things that are details because you've resolved the underlying issue. Because those other details seem amazing, so petty, you know. Like, who cares really about who washes dishes? It's not a big deal. And yet, I care about the fact that I feel obliged to do this no matter what, and you're not helping and you're not participating. You treat me just like taken for granted. You don't appreciate. That's what counts. And so we listen to that indignant, hurt little me. What does she or he need now? Not from somebody else. Because the somebody else at the moment is already in the other camp. But what does that little me need here? Doesn't need to be told to shut up. Doesn't need told to just get on with your duties. It needs to be, oh, this is frustration, sadness, tiredness, feeling impotent. Okay, how is that? So you're learning to listen to the undertones of thought, the emotional undertones of thought. Instead of sabotaging by believing in it, or sabotaging by suppressing it, you process it. This is the experience of little me, this experience of them, or the world in general. What, What do they contain? Insensitivity, malice, undermining, you know. The world, indignation, frustration, never being allowed to be who I am, you know, <laughs> these kind of tones, aren't they? What do they need? So let's get some space around that. Let's open to that, get some space around that. Don't change it. Don't change it. Don't leave, don't lose the topic. It's a very important topic. Don't meddle with it. Listening inwardly, feel what's happening in your in your body. Try to feel that stability of the body down to the soles of your feet. Feel the tension. See if you can relax in your face, in your hands, in your feet. And we're not trying to get rid of it. We just want to give it a little more space. And if the body is unconstrained, there's a little more space for that energy, which we've begun to experience now, not just as an emotion not just as a story, but now as an energy. And and with energy, you can't say no to it. You can say more space or relate to it. Relating to your, your rage. Or your despair. Your feeling of hopelessness and the energies of those. As I said before, and I'll say it again, the first thing is not happiness. First thing is stability. Maintain your ground in that, with that, so that you feel eventually bigger than that experience. That's what will happen. That's the sign. 
of stability. When you get that stability of energy where you're not pushing against, you're not withdrawing, you're not agitating, or if you are agitating, that's still not the stable place. The stable places relate to the agitating, be open to the agitating, the guilt, the one of the first one I'm ever supposed to do about this, the feeling overwhelmed. Okay, there's that. That's that. Now, can you feel that the way to relate to it, because emotionally is extremely evocative and provocative contact impressions. Once they touch your heart, it gets going. You know, there's no doubt about it. So you've got to, where's the body in this? And write down, okay, let's go down the, the spinal track, past the throat, past the diaphragm, past the navel, down to the pelvic floor, the base, down the legs, down to the feet, soles of the feet, open the soles of the feet, widthways, across the shoulders, across the chest, across the hips, open the hands, open the face, stable, and that stable begins to open by itself. So, just touch that again. The stable center, touch it, will cause the jitta to open. If it doesn't, it's not the stable center. It's something, it's a principle that you're holding on to. Like, I should be more patient. I should be more patient. I need to be a patient person. No, that's not it. I should never give in to anger. That's not, I should stand up for myself. No, that's not it. That's, that's tight. That's still me. The place where the body is holding that impression. Because what will happen, if it's the right thing, is you get a sense of something opening. And the energy of the despair, the self-hatred, guilt, rage, the fear, can then move. It's not the most comfortable experience in the world, but there's something about using your breath to breathe it out. And start putting the food in. Don't starve. So once you take the bombshells out of your system, you still need to rebuild, breathing in, breathing out. Nothing you have to do. You don't have to be in a good state to breathe in and breathe out. You don't have to like people to breathe in and breathe out. You don't have to be that nice to breathe in and breathe out. Just need to be able to breathe in and breathe out in that unrestricted way. And then the emotional charges will begin to, you know, move on. Maybe, and then you, maybe then you can begin to learn something about where the triggering is. What gets you going? What does that point mean that got you? That feeling of being dissed in some way or another. 
What is that? What is that point? Where is that point? Do you feel it? Sense it? That's where we need to be very loving. As you regain some ground and some open space and some stability, it's still not over yet. This is where we need to turn back to those trigger points and really, you know, if love means anything, it's about meeting this. You know, with warmth. And it's not about self-pity. Poor me. Everybody gets this. Everybody's in damage. If you're not awakened, you're in damage. So it's not something so special about little me. It's the fact that we all have a little me. That's the problem. (laughs) Everybody's got one. (laughs) So what is she saying? How is she? Oh, just looking on with a mind of attitude of you don't have to change, you don't have to be anything. There's that sense of giving. It's this givingness, this goodwill. If all you're doing is just giving kindly regard, interest. And, you know, What do you need? Now that that question is already, that's what we call loving kindness. Now when we talk about you know loving kindness, we can imagine these kind of great radiance, bursts of warm, suffusive feeling. It does happen now and then. Depending on your emotional tonality, you know, I've never been that great at that kind of fluorescence. It doesn't mean I'm, an, you know, I don't. I've found actually I'm quite a loving person, but just never made it into the big kind of operatic cascade of feeling. Just kind of sense of, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's just not that expressive. It doesn't mean it's not there. <laughs> and so, you know. Very simply speaking, that the ground level of it is just that, that question is, what do you need? And that, that's, that's kindness. It doesn't have to be any answer, because you keep having that attitude. That already is, is directing goodwill. Rather than, how can I get rid of you? Why don't you, how can I make you shut up? No, what do you need? Let's see what happens. And compassion is, tell me more, rather than, you know, so is there any more, anything more? Please tell me more about your suffering. That's compassion. Well, I never do this and I never do that and I'm always trying so hard. Uh-huh. Tell me more. Well, at the end of the day, uh-huh. tell me more. Well, I just feel like this. Uh, anything more? Tell me more. Oh, I don't know. Any more? Thanks for listening. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know? So you want to hear it? With that, with the mind of compassion, not, oh, hang on until it's over. I suppose I've got to listen to this until, until it's finished. No, it should be that will. 
the will to compassion and mudita gladness say you're finally getting a chance to allow yourself to be angry congratulations you're finally getting a chance to really listen to that without shutting it down I'm pleased you've stopped just being a dutiful drudge congratulations you can live wonderfully I'm pleased I mean I find anger (laughs) it's hair raising but somehow you feel wow there's some strength there you know uh, and then, so this quality arises, can arise from that stable place. You don't have to like me, really. I mean, I'd be nice if you did, but maybe that's not happening. But I can respect you and feel glad that you're, you know, processing, getting your stuff out. And equanimity, you know, maybe this is there's, maybe there's no end to this. Maybe there's no end to this. You know, it's like what Rudin uh, Char would say. I think when all the problems in the monasteries and the people getting upset and annoyed and misbehaving and so forth, and you deal with this, and you do that, and you create this system, and then people somebody manages to find a loophole in it or doesn't behave properly. So you have a big firm talk it out, right? Then so and so, it's quiet for a while, and something else comes up. You know, you think, when is this all going to? When are people? When are we going to get this sorted out finally? When is it? This community ever going to get it together? When is this hassle going to be over? And so the only thing you have to get over is the desire to get over it. (laughs) The only thing you have to get over is the wish that it stops. (laughs) Once you've got over that. You've touched equanimity and it's got a vast amount of room to for you to, to exist within, you know. The endless problems, the endless unresolves, the people misunderstanding me, not getting it right, and me, me making mistakes. Just, here we are. Opeka, let's just stay tuned into this and cut the ill will, <laughs> you know. Don't keep injecting your will into your system. You do have a choice. But for that, you often got to do the work of hearing. Hearing your sadness or irritation or complaining in a way that's not buying into it, but not closing it down. If you get that right, this is the most important speech to have, is the speech you have with yourself. If you get that right, you're much more likely to have that kind of speech with other people because your mind has begun to operate in that. How is this? How does it feel? Listen to this. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And so your external domains can be much more established and secure. We know where we stand. We know where the trigger points are. We know, we know the common ground. We stand on. We don't want to suffer. With being together, we've got to be. We've got to be some kind of harmony. We can't seal each other off. So, you know, let me know what you're doing. Of course, in retreat time, it's a time to cultivate the relationship with little me. And 
the world that they move around in until we really see through these and stop sabotaging ourselves and begin to feed ourselves instead, feed the heart instead. Okay, so it's time some time for direct practice.